Good morning. I, I invite you to take God's Word and open it to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6 this morning, verse 15 to 23 is our text, Romans chapter 6. As you're uh, turning there this morning, we're uh, going to be coming to uh, our last sermon in Romans for a month or so, give or take. Next week, we're going to, uh, Pastor Adam is going to lead us in an Advent uh, message as we focus in on the coming of Christ, our Savior. And uh, then after that, in January, we're going to have a short series uh, on community matters, uh, focusing in on discipleship. And that'll be into January, and then it'll be into February before we pick back up with Romans chapter 7. So uh, this morning, we come to conclude chapter 6 of Romans, and our text is verse 15 down to verse number 23. I would like to ask if you are able that you would stand out of reverence for the very Word of God as it is read once again this morning. Romans chapter 6, let us read together verse 15 down to verse number 23. This is the Apostle Paul writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, and here is what he says. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law, but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, either to sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you who once were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed." And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness leading to sanctification. When you were slaves of sin... You were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? The end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let's go to our Lord in prayer together. Our Father, as we open up your word this morning, we ask through the power and might of your Holy Spirit, that you would open up our hearts to receive it. Father, help us to see what you have done for us in Christ Jesus. Lord, help us to see that we are new creatures through Christ Jesus. And Father, I pray for 
those, if there are any here this morning who are not trusting in Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior, that you would so impress your word and the gospel upon their hearts this day that they could do none other than run to the cross and trust in Christ to forgive them of their sins. It's in his name we humbly pray these things. Amen. Well, you may be seated. One of the reasons I love the book of Romans so much is its clarity on the gospel and on sin. Chapters one and two of this book don't leave us any room to hide, do they? Each and every one of us are guilty. Each and every one of us are sinners in that we have broken God's laws. It is true, as it says in Romans chapter two, that none is righteous, no, not one. As Isaiah says in the Old Testament, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Paul is very clear and very thorough in showing how each of us are sinners. Each of us have broken God's laws. There is no work that we could do that would then make us right with God since we have broken his law. There is no amount of penance that we could do. There is no amount of good deeds that we could do that would change our situation before Almighty God. We are condemned, we are guilty. And Paul is also so very clear on how we can be forgiven, how sinners can be forgiven of their sins, how we can be made right with God. Paul is crystal clear that it is not through anything that we do, but only through what Jesus Christ has done for us. We received his sacrifice through faith. He makes this crystal clear in Romans chapter four. So in relation to our being justified before God, our works play no part. Our works are sinful. And we're not saved, you see so clearly in Romans, we're not saved based upon the things that we do, but we're saved based upon the things Jesus has done for us. And we receive Jesus's good works by faith, by trusting in the very promise of God to forgive sinners. We're saved solely by God's grace, unmerited, undeserved, Now sinners can be reconciled to God. Since we've been justified by faith, we now have peace with God who were at enmity between him, who were separated by our sins that we had committed through his laws that we had broken. God's word is so clear. Now we are redeemed. Now we're in a right relationship with God. Romans 5.20, Paul said, now the law came to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Romans is so very clear that we are saved based upon the mercy and grace of God given to us through Jesus Christ. Not by anything we have done. 
And now this can lead to the thought in our mind, well, if I'm not saved by any good works that I do, and God's grace covers over my sin, then well, I guess I can be free to sin. Some of Paul's opponents were accusing him of that very thing. And if we think about just for a moment, maybe that logically comes up in our mind when we uh, understand the gospel and we understand we're not saved based on the things that we have done. Let me just pause and say that you know you are understanding the gospel and grace correctly when it leads you to ask this type of question. You know you are understanding grace properly because you realize you are saved by no action of your own. For example, you don't hear Mormons asking this question. You don't hear Mormons asking, well, if we're saved by grace like that, then why should I be concerned with good works? No, but you don't hear that in Mormonism because in that religion, forgiveness is conditioned on individual compliance with prescribed requirements. That is, you're saved and you show that salvation, you're saved by doing these things and you are, quote unquote, saved or forgiven. And it's the same with other religions. But when you come to biblical Christianity, you see that we are saved by grace, not our merits. We're not saved based upon the things that we do. And then that can logically lead you to say, well, what of good works then? What of good works? If we're saved simply by the mercy and the grace of God, well, where do good works come in? And that is exactly what we see taking place in chapter 6. Verses 15 to 23 are very similar to verses 1 to 14. Verse 1 raised the question, are we to continue in sin so that grace may abound? If it's true that we're saved by grace like that, then what? Should we just continue in our sin so that grace would continue to grow and abound and we could be forgiven of so much? thinking this is something really great. I'm good at sinning and God is really good at forgiving, so I'll just sin it up and God will forgive me and his grace will be magnified. Paul says to that, as we've seen in Romans chapter six, absolutely not. That's not the right conclusion to take away from being saved by grace alone. He basically says there in chapter six in those verses that you can't continue in sin because you've died to it. And now in verse 15, he raises a similar question, but it's a little bit different. He's just spoken about sin's dominion being broken because of our new life in Christ. Look at what he says in verse 14 of chapter six. He says, for sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. And he picks up on this concept of law and of grace. Look at what he says in the first part of verse 15. He connects it. He says, what then are we to sin because we are not under law, but under grace? So it's similar in that we're still talking about obedience and how we live as a Christian, 
that we do not continue to live in sin as a Christian. And here, we see that we're not to willfully live in sin because we are now under grace and not under law. And so chapter 7, we're going to see, has a lot to say about this law and sin. Chapter 7 is going to spell this out for us of what this looks like. But let's just summarize it here by saying that in these verses, verse 15 to 23, Paul is speaking here about the power and the penalty of the law. We are not under law in the sense of we do not come to God based upon the law and obedience. We don't come to him on that basis. We don't come to him on the basis of law-keeping and obedience. In fact, as Paul is going to say in chapter 7, God gave the law to us to expose us, to show us our sin. There's nothing wrong with the law. The law is good and the law is holy. The problem is ours. We are not. And no amount of, quote, law-keeping could save us. We are no longer under law if we are under grace. Being under grace is shorthand for the gospel of trusting in the perfect life, death, substitutionary death of Jesus on the cross for us. We are saved by grace. Our relationship to God is now through the grace of Jesus Christ. We don't come to God through an idea of law keeping. So no, we're not to willfully sin in our lives because we are under God's grace. And in these verses, Paul is basically saying, we're not to continue in sin because we are slaves to God. As Christians, we are slaves to God and to live in obedience to him. We are not free to live in sin. And so in the first verses, again, just in chapter six, verse one to 14, Paul says we are a new being. We have been given new life. We're not to continue in sin. And now in these verses, verse 15 and following, Paul says, no, we're not to continue in sin because we come to God now through grace and not underneath a law keeping. We're not to do that. And then he's gonna say to that, we're slaves to God. That's his basic point here. And so the main idea of these verses is this. Enslavement to sin leads to death. Enslavement to God leads to sanctification and and eternal life. Enslavement to sin leads to death. Enslavement to God leads to sanctification and eternal life. Paul's going to give us four reasons in this text why we are not free to live in sin. Four things he's going to describe for us of why we are not free to live in sin in our life. And remember, he's answering this question in all of these verses. Do, do we just continue in sin in our, in our lives because we're not saved based upon the things we do? If we're truly saved by the grace of God, then what of good works? And Paul is going to teach us here that we are not free to live in sin because we're slaves of God. Four things he's going uh, to defend that with. First off, we see we're not free to live in sin because we are slaves of the one we obey. We are slaves of the one we obey. We see this in verse 16. He says, do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, 
either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. This is a very broad point that Paul is first making here. He says, look, we are all slaves. We are all slaves to someone. Every person in this world is presenting themselves to someone. And to present here means to dedicate. You can think of it like that, to dedicate. You're dedicating yourself to something. Everyone in the world is presenting themselves or dedicating themselves to someone. And there's two options here that the Word of God gives us. We're presenting ourselves either to sin or to obedience. So we're dedicating ourselves either to sin, and he tells us which leads to death, or we are presenting ourselves to obedience, which leads to righteousness. So everybody in the world could be categorized in that they are slaves of one of these, of sin or obedience. Now, why is Paul using this analogy of slavery here? It's not a, a perfect analogy as we're going to see in verse number uh, 19. We're going to look at that in just a moment. But why does he use it? It's pro I mean, some of the people that Paul is writing this to in Rome, it's safe to say that some of the members of those congregations were most likely slaves. That, that they were under slavery to someone else in this church. And Paul is writing to them and he's using this analogy of slavery. One of the reasons why Paul does this is because people who are not Christians think they are free when in reality they are not. People who are not Christians think they are free when in reality they are not. Unbelievers tend to think this way. They think they are free to do as they choose. They don't want to bind themselves to uh, 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 their desires to the teachings of the Bible. They see the instructions of God's word as restrictive, as limiting, and just plain not fun, they might say. Haven't you encountered that uh, with unbelievers who view the laws of God and the instructions of God just like that? Say, well, I don't want to put myself underneath that to have to follow those rules. I'm free to do what I want to do. I don't want to put myself underneath an authority figure and say I need to be obedient. You probably thought the same thing before you came to Christ. But Paul turns this thinking on its head. And as the Bible does, the Bible teaches us of reality. The Bible says, here is what is true. Here is what is true of mankind. Everyone is a slave to somebody. You're either a slave to this or that. Everyone, apart from Christ, is a slave of sin. He's just taught in chapter 5 that all men, save one, have received a sinful nature from Adam. Every person is a sinner. One commentator says this about this line of thinking of, of each man being, being a slave apart from Christ to sin. He says this, he is bound and enslaved to sin, and the only thing he can do is to sin. His only choices have to do with when, how, 
why and to what degree he will sin. You see, slavery leads to death. And the world is deceived. The world is deceived in their thinking of being free to live as they choose when in reality they are under the bondage of slavery, everyone being bound in sin. And so the Apostle Paul uses this analogy here of slavery even to the unbeliever to be sure to say, even though you may think you are free to live how you want to live, in reality, you are a slave of sin. You present yourself to sin. You dedicate yourself to sin, to being disobedient. Slavery, though, to obedience, Paul says here, leads to righteousness. Being a slave of God leads to change behavior and not to sin. It leads to righteousness in our lives. And so the Apostle Paul is saying here, no, we're not free to sin because everybody is a, is a slave to something, either to sin or you're a slave to obedience. That is, you are to dedicate yourself to obedience. And if that is true, no, you don't continue in sin. You dedicate yourself to obedience, which leads to righteousness. Let me just say here that we see very clearly that apart from Christ and being a slave, as the text so clearly says, of sin which leads to death. There is a warning there for each and every one of us today. There's a warning there even for the believer to realize sometimes in our own sin that we still fight against in our lives, we can look at the sin of the world and that can entice us. And we can begin to be deceived and we can think, oh yeah, they're really happy because they're living in freedom. They're not having to live underneath the instruction of God's word and seek to please God and seek to be obedient to him. And there can be even a temptation in our lives to think that that is somehow freedom. Well, don't we see from God's word this morning that that indeed is no freedom whatsoever. Freedom is actually being freed as we're going to see to live in obedience to God. And its end is eternal life. So we must be warned as the believer, even as we see this idea in our culture of being uh, uh, free to do whatever you want. And of course, those of you, if there's any of you here that are not trusting in Christ, do you see clearly from God's word, it teaches us that the path you are on leads to death. That you are a slave of sin. And the end of that path that you are walking down leads to death and ultimately to a real place called hell. And so God's word comes out to you today to change paths, to go from the path of slavery to sin to the path of obedience, which leads to eternal Christ. And as Paul has been so clear in this book to say, that only happens by grace and trusting in Jesus Christ, trusting that he died on the cross for your sins. It's only in Christ that ultimately we find freedom and true life. This leads right up into the next verse and the next point. We're not to willfully live in sin because secondly, we have been changed and set free. 
We have been changed. We have been set free. In these verses, we see that we're not to do that, to willfully live in sin for mainly two reasons. We've been set free and we've been changed. First of all, look at the set free part. I love as you just read through these verses, you come and he speaks here of sin at the end of verse 16, of sin which leads to death and then of obedience which leads to righteousness. And look at what he does right next in verse 17. But thanks be to God. Thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. Paul just breaks out in praise right in the middle of this argument because of what God has done for us. He says, but thanks be to God. Why is he thanking God here? Because God has done for us what we could not do for ourselves. He says in verse 17 that you were once slaves of sin. And in verse 18, he says, and having been set free from sin. You see, God has set us free from bondage and slavery to sin. If you're trusting in Christ, that is the reality in your life. God has set the Christian free. And praise be to God because he is the one who has done it. You see, you can't free yourself. You are not able to change masters. You can't break the chains of sin by your own strength by your own power, by your own might, by your own wisdom. No, if you are a slave, you have to be set free. And that is exactly what Jesus has done when he saved us by his grace. The power and dominion of sin is now broken in our lives. We have gone through Christ Jesus from darkness to light. And even while Paul, Paul is teaching about this, he, he can't help but just to break out into praise. He's breaking into praise because God did it. God is the one who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Even while we were dead in trespasses and sins, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. Yes, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. I was blind, but now I see. It's only by the grace of God that we have been set free from the realm of slavery to sin into being a child of God. You can see why Paul can't write about all this without breaking into praise without praising God for what he has done for us. 
Because God has set us free. Believer, if you're here trusting in Christ this morning, do you realize that that is the case? You've been set free from something you could not free yourself from? That God has come down to you in grace and taken you from a slave to sin and brought you over into obedience to God? Praise God for what he's done. Praise God for setting us free what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross. Set us free to what? Set us free. Has God done all of that to set us free? Has God moved us from that and set us free now that we can just sin all we want to? He's he's taken us from slavery to sin underneath the bondage of sin and he just set us free so that now we can just do whatever we want to do and praise God, he'll forgive us because he's loving. Secondly, we see that not only have we been set free, we've been changed. We've been changed. Paul says we've been set free from sin in order to become slaves of righteousness. Now, doesn't that sound paradoxical? We've been set free from slavery to sin to slavery to righteousness, right? If you think you're being set free from a slave, you think you're going from a slave to a non-slave, right? That's what what it means to be set free. But Paul says, no, you've been set free to be a slave to righteousness, Remember Paul's bigger picture here in from verse number 15. We're saved under grace, but being under grace does not lead us to sin. Being saved by grace leads us to obedience. And because we have new life, we have new hearts and we have new desires. Look at verse 17. Paul says there again, thanks be to God that you who once were slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart. See, what Paul is saying here is, as Christians, we are able to obey God. We have been set free to obedience. We are now able to be, as it says there, obedient from the heart. That is, I like to think of it in very simple terms, that's the type of person I am, that God has changed our want-to-er. The the want-tos that we have and the desires in our lives that God has given us a new want-to-er in our lives and we have changes in our desires. Now we want to obey God because of what he has done for us. And all Christians know this to be true. You know this to be true. We want to be obedient to God and we want to please God. Don't you as a follower of Jesus Christ want to please God and be obedient to him? We want to serve him. And the Holy Spirit of God is changing us. No, we're not perfect. That has been made clear. That's why we need these instructions, right? We need to be instructed not to live into sin because we still fight sin. But we are different, different than what we were. We're different because we now have a new master. Just ponder that for a moment. Those of you who are trusting in Christ, that Christ died on the cross for your sins, you're trusting in what he has done for you The desire you have in your life to be obedient to God 
is evidence of God's grace in your life. I just think some of you and us in the fight against sin and our weekly fight in the battle, I think you just need to let those words and see that and let that soak in and encourage you here this morning. In your fight and in your desire, do you see that even not perfect as it is, your desire to be obedient to God and want to please him is evidence of God's grace and mercy in your life. Because you used to not want to please God. You used to not want to be obedient to the scriptures. But by the grace of God and the new life and you being set free in Christ, our hearts and our desires have changed. Just think on that and praise God for that. The evidence of God's grace in your life. Paul is speaking here about the reality of new life in Christ. That those who have been saved by grace are now new creation. Paul uses this analogy of slavery to also speak about those who aren't in Christ that are deceived to think that they are free. But he also uses this analogy to teach us that as saved by grace Christians, we are not free to sin. Rather, we've been set free to be slaves of righteousness. We've been set free to be obedient. We've been set free with a changed heart and changed desires. Not free to sin, but we've been set free to obedience, to seek to live our lives to please Almighty God. So Paul clearly teaches us that here in these verses The third thing that we see of why we are not free to willfully live in sin is because we're commanded to live in obedience. That's the third thing we see, verse 19. That's pretty straightforward again. It's clear God doesn't want us to willfully live in sin because he commands us to live in obedience. In verse 19, we see Paul speak to this use of slavery as an analogy or as an example. And he says there, I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. Now, Paul is just acknowledging the fact here that our minds need illustrations to help us understand things. I don't don't think Paul is rebuking them here in this verse. He's just saying because of our natural limitations, because of the reality of our fallenness, we need illustrations to help us understand truths and concepts. And so that is what the Apostle Paul is doing here. He's using this analogy of slavery. Like all illustrations, the illustrations of slavery here is not perfect. Ultimately, they break down. Obviously, there are many negative connotations with slavery, And obviously in in this sinful institutions, it says a whole lot about the person who is the slave owner. And he's speaking here about first century slavery. And obviously that's not true of God. God is righteous, God is pure. But the illustration is good because Paul is using it to teach us that we all have a master. Paul's using it to teach us that we're just not all free to do whatever we want. Nobody is. It should be instructive to us that the only time Paul uses the word slave before chapter six is in Romans one, verse number one, where he says, Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus. 
See, that's how Paul referred to himself. All of us are owned either by sin which leads to death or of God which leads to sanctification and eternal life. And so Paul acknowledges the limitations of this illustration in this verse, and then he just carries on with it. He continues using it. So look at his command to obedience in verse 19 and what he says there. He says, I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. Paul says here in the first part, for just as you once, right? Although we as Christians still sin, we're no longer bound by sin like we used to be. We're no longer slaves of sin. Sin's dominion and power over us have been broken. Therefore, we are instructed to live differently. Before Christ, we used to offer ourselves to do whatever we thought was best And that's sinful sort of stuff. Whatever you think is best, even if it looks like good deeds on the outside, ultimately underneath, its roots are from sin. But now Paul says, dedicate yourselves as slaves to righteousness, leading to a changed life, sanctification. And so Paul is giving us this command here to change and to present our members to righteousness, So I ask you today, what are areas of your life that you have that you need to present or dedicate in obedience to God? Right, the scripture has a whole lot to say about how we are to live as Christians. What areas of your life through the Holy Spirit and your want to are being changed do you have to change and be in obedience and dedicate yourself to those good things. Maybe it is that you need to work on the tongue. Maybe it is you need to watch the way that you speak to others. Maybe it's the way you speak to your friends. Maybe it's the way you speak to your spouse, the way you speak to others at work. Maybe you need to hear from God's word where God's word tells us that we are to build up and not to tear down. We're to dedicate ourselves to that, give ourselves over to that, to live in obedience to that. What about the eyes, the things that we look at or the things that we don't look at, morally wise, of shunning the rampant sensuality of our age with pornography and certain TV shows and all of the ways that society uses this hyper-sensuality to be in our face. or Choosing to see people that are hurting, people that need encouragement, people that need our help to see them and realize that where we see others who need the gospel to share the hope of Christ that we have with sinners? What about presenting ourselves to God with our hands, the opportunities that we have to serve others, to help those in need and to use our abilities that we have to help others? In your jobs, in the workplace, to work hard at your job, not only to an earthly human boss, but as ultimately working unto the Lord for his glory, 
For you moms at home with the kids, do you see how the way you interact with your children on a daily basis says about you being obedient and presenting your members and presenting yourself to God for obedience? of you being the hands of God to your children at home in the day, ministering to them, showing them both compassion, showing them discipline, of you being faithful to be obedient to the scripture in your daily life, wherever it is that the Lord has you because you are a slave of God. You're to present yourself unto him with our wallets. How do we spend our money and what on? Are we letting God speak into that area of our life, realizing that we're not free to just live how we want to live, but we are a slave of God? Are we investing in people and in internal things or only in temporary transient things? If you are in Christ, you are a slave of righteousness, a slave of God. He has authority over us and we are to be obedient to our loving Father. We're not to live in sin because we are not under the law but under grace. Rather, we're commanded to live in obedience to God. Freedom from sin is not freedom to sin. We've been set free to obedience. So Paul is clearly teaching us here that we're not free to live in sin in our lives because we're under grace before God. We don't willfully live in sin because we're slaves of the one we obey. And we've been changed and we've been set free. And by the way, God commands us to live in obedience. Lastly, we see that we're not who we used to be. Verses 20 to 23 are so sweet. And the apostle Paul is stating facts about us in these verses. You know, there's no commands here in these verses. He's stating what is true of the believer in Christ Jesus. And he's going to draw a contrast between what we used to be and what we are now. First, we see this comparison in verse 20 to 22. Listen to it as we read once again, verse 20 to 22. When you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? The end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. Before we were set free from sin, which Paul can't get away from, that's a passive verb right there, Right? We've not done that. It's been done to us. God set us free from that. Before we were set free from sin, we were free in regard to righteousness. In other words, you didn't have any. You didn't have any in your life. What fruit did you get from being a slave to sin? Bad fruit. Fruit that as Christians, you look back on now and you're ashamed of. Right, you look back on it and you say, man, what a mess I was. The end of those things is death and where do they lead? Eternal punishment. Then comes the contrast in verse number 22, but now that you have been set free from sin, again, notice the passive 
tense there. God is the one by his grace who set us free. God did it. He gets the praise. Because we've been set free, we're now slaves to God and the fruit you get leads to sanctification. Being a, being a slave of God leads to good fruit, Galatians tells us. And what is the end of that fruit? Eternal life. Ultimate freedom from sin. And in the presence of our King Jesus forever in eternity. That's what awaits the believer that we have been set free. Christian, I, I hope those verses encourages you in your walk of obedience because he's just stating a fact here of the believer. Look, the believer, he says here, now you've been set free from sin, you become a slave to God and the fruit you get leads to beautiful things. Good things that leads to obedience and it leads ultimately to eternal life. The forgiveness of sins. Praise God that we are not who we once were, that we've been set free and we've been taken on a path that led to ultimate destruction and God has placed us on a path which leads to salvation and joy and paradise with Christ forever. Lastly, we see here the supporting fact, verse 23. You're familiar with this verse. He's supporting, it says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. What's the payment for living a sinful life of slavery to sin? It's death. The wages of sin is death. The earnings of a life lived in sin is death. You see how he's saying here, you're not free to live in sin. The end of those things is death. And notice what the text doesn't say. It doesn't say the wages of obedience is eternal life. No, the free gift of God is eternal life, right? We don't earn our salvation. It's a free gift of God given to us in Christ Jesus. It's a gift. It's undeserved. Even in teaching about how being saved by grace doesn't lead to sin, Paul is so very clear on how we're saved by grace. It's a gift. It's a gift from God, not deserved, not earned. Praise God for that ultimate gift, the best gift that could ever be received. Greater than any gift you could imagine. God is greater than any gift that you could ever dream and desire right now that you know you're not going to get for Christmas because it's too big. It's too expensive. And you're not, probably not going to get it. Sorry, just maybe I'm showing my cards to my kids, right? It's, it's, it's too big. It's too grand. Even of those things, the greatest desires that we have in this life, if we have the gift of grace in Christ Jesus we have it all, even if we don't get any other stuff. We've got forgiveness of sins in Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, may we clearly see who we are in Christ. We've been set free from slavery to sin and have become slaves to righteousness. Being a slave to righteousness doesn't lead to willfully sinning in our lives. It leads to obedience to God from the heart 
to instructions that God gives us because we're not under the bondage and dominion of sin anymore. Brothers and sisters, may we live like who we are in Christ. Those who have been set free from sin's dominion and as those who are now free to live in obedience to God, oh, may we praise God indeed for his amazing grace to us. Let's go to him in prayer. Father, we thank you that you have changed us, that you have saved us, taken us from the realm of slavery to sin leading to disobedience, and now you've put us on the path of slavery to obedience, which leads to eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Father, would you use these words to encourage us to seek to live in obedience to you? Thank you, Lord, for changing us. All praise and all glory and all honor be to you, for you have done it. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen.